My name is Adam Iglesias. I am not the normal teaching pastor. Josh is uh, out with our college crew on their annual beach trip. Um, so I get the honor and privilege of filling in for him today. So uh, like Chase said, um, I'd like to welcome everybody. And if you're new for the first time, I apologize. It's not Josh standing up here, so hopefully I don't disappoint. Um, tonight, uh, what I'm going to be preaching on is, uh, is distraction. Uh, hopefully your first response right there wasn't the same as my best friend, Cody Smith's. Uh, he asked me a couple weeks ago what I was going to be preaching on, and I told him distraction. And he goes, you? You're the worst. Like, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so he's like, man, you don't even know where you put your keys half the time. So appreciate it, Cody Smith. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I tend to be a, a distracted person. Um, and I found myself over the past couple months uh, distracted in a lot of areas of life, um, not only from the day-to-day, putting keys up, um, you know, anything, um, but I found myself very distracted spiritually, um, you know, more so than, than usual over the past few months, but uh, I think a lot of people with busy schedules, whether you're a parent or have a busy career or a student, um, I don't think I'm alone in that distraction um, in a lot of conversations I have with people. Um, so I, I thought, you know what, this might be a, a timely topic for a lot of us. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so uh, Dallas Willard, uh, I know, I'm pretty sure I quote him almost every time I, I come up here and preach, but uh, he says that the greatest enemy to the spiritual life he believes is distraction. Uh, most of us, I think most of us would like things to slow down. There's not a whole lot of us in here that just wish life would get busier. We've got a lot of things on our plate. Um, and what I want to address tonight is a healthy busyness, because we can be busy and, uh, and be in a healthy spot, be in a spot that's not distracted. So I want to talk about a healthy busyness versus an unhealthy scatteredness. That unhealthy scatteredness is where distraction comes in. Um, so busy isn't inherently bad, uh, but whenever busy crosses over to, being, to becoming hurried, that's where I, th- I think a lot of times we slip up. Uh, so busyness, it won't be the issue tonight, although we'll be talking about it, because busyness can definitely feed distraction, but uh, what I'm going to be talking about, again, is distraction. So a good working definition that I'm going to be going off of tonight is distracting is shifting from something of greater importance to less importance. Uh, there's a few different de- definitions that I saw whenever I was preparing, but I think that one applies, um, applies very well with what we're going to be discussing tonight. And nowadays, uh, man, it, it seems like we're becoming more and more conditioned to distraction. There's so much going on nowadays. There's so much noise, um, whether it be in the media, there's so much noise, uh, technology, our phones. And, you know, I'll beat up a little bit on technology, but don't hear me say technology is a bad thing. There's a lot of great things that can come of technology. Um, But I think a lot of us can agree with technology can be very distracting. Um, Our work schedules, we're working more hours than ever. Uh, So our work schedules can be be very busy. Um, kids' activities, uh, church, church ministry, a lot of us are involved in a lot of things uh, uh, with our church. And so there's just a lot of things that keep us busy. But while, you know, speaking about technology, I thought this was interesting when I was preparing. Um, in 1967, Walter Cronkite, y'all remember Walter Cronkite? Dad probably does. He might be the only one in the room. Uh, 
Walter Cronkite said that uh, we only need to wait until the year of 2000 for a life of leisure. Technology was going to open the doors to a 30-hour work week and require month-long vacations at work. Also in 1967, which I don't know why 1967 was such a big deal, um, I think it was in Time magazine, um, quoted that those who hunger from time off from work may take, ha- take heart from the forecast of political scientist Sebastian de Grazia that the average work week by the year 2000 will average 31 hours and perhaps as few as 21. And then 20 years later, on-the-job hours may have dwindled down to 26 or even 16. And so I, I just thought that was so interesting that the thing that they thought was going to deliver us from busyness and being hurried is a big culprit of that nowadays. Uh, so I, I think there's probably a number of reasons to that from an economic standpoint, from a demand standpoint. But I think we also have to take a gut check, and a lot of us like being busy. We find value in being hurried. There's an adrenaline rush. There's some status to it. Um, there's not a, time, a lot of times we brag about, uh, you know, hey, what's been going on? Man, I haven't been busy at all. It's, you know, there's not, most times we're, and again, I'm not saying if you say you're being busy, you're bragging. There's just, there's just a lot, uh, we like being busy, I think, whenever it comes down to it. And so, this, is, this, this, this distracting, this distraction, this being hurried, is hurting us spiritually. Uh, and how is that? It's hurting our ability to listen, not only to the Lord, but to others. Uh, it's hurting our ability to think carefully through things. Uh, and it's hurting our ability just to be still, pray, and meditate. And I'm, whenever I say we, I'm, I'm starting with me again. A lot of you guys know me. I struggle with distraction. I struggle with being present a lot of times. It's something that I've recognized that whenever I had kids, I needed to be very intentional about that because my mind can be elsewhere. Um, and so, uh, so I come at y'all in humility is what I'm trying to say. I don't have this figured out. I'm in it with y'all, and uh, there's a lot. Uh, I just, uh, I, I've, I've, yeah, I've learned a lot in, in preparing for this, so it's been, it's been neat. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the Word. Uh, I'm going to be in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. It's the story of uh, Mary and Martha, hopefully um, y'all aren't rolling y'all's eyes. I know this is the, the, the go-to verse for, for distraction. Um, but hopefully um, we can all humble ourselves and you know, ask the Lord to still continue to, to teach us something through this. Because I, I think it's so applicable as it pertains to life and distraction. Um, so Luke, Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So uh, a lot to unpack there. What What I'll go ahead and do is start in verse 39. I'll reread that. Uh, and she had a sister, uh, talking about Martha, she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So sitting at the Lord's feet, that was a posture that was very common in the, uh, very, what did I just say? Very common in the ancient times. Uh, that sitting at the feet uh, was uh, very common for a relationship between a rabbi and a disciple. Uh, rabbis back then, I, I took an Old Testament class, and I remember my, my Old Testament professor, he was awesome, probably mid to upper 60s, or maybe even older than that, 
he was talking about back then rabbis were like the, the, the I was in college at the time, so he said the instincts and the Backstreet Boys of our time, where he said I would be on a billboard because of my age and my wisdom instead of the youth these days. And so he, it, uh, being a rabbi back then, the rabbi and disciple relationship, disciples wanted to learn so much from the rabbi, not just on the spiritual side, although that was a huge component, but it's just uh, on how they lived their day-to-day life, how they handled their finances, how they handled conflict, um, how they handled everything. So uh, there's a first Jewish blessing that, that was pretty common. It said, may you always be covered by the dust of your rabbi. And so that just goes to show how, how, how precious that relationship was back then. And so Mary, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus was, it was pretty neat because unlike many, uh, many in their culture back in the days, uh, women were kind of discouraged to study Scripture, and Jesus was welcoming that with Mary. Um, but the reason that's so important is that Jesus, I mean, that, is that Mary wanted more than anything else in her life at that time. She wanted to learn from Jesus. She wanted him to be his rabbi, her rabbi. That was her heart's desire. She made uh, a fundamental choice in her life that I'm sure there was a lot going on. Obviously, Martha, you know, we'll get to Martha in a little bit. But there was a lot going on, but she made a fundamental choice to be with Jesus, that she knew that everything she needed in her life at that point was to be with him, to have that relationship with him. And so that verse 39 is addressing the posture of Mary's heart. You know, it talks about the physical, her sitting at her feet, but it was reflecting of her heart. And so what we need to learn from verse 39 is that as we move through our life, we must open our eyes to see God and respond to him. That we must open our eyes to see God and respond to him. Whether that means moving faster or whether that means slowing down, like Mary did in her case. You know, I, I talk about business, but laziness can be a distraction at times. There, there can be times in our life where we don't have a lot going on and we're not stewarding that time wisely. And so that's why, whether it's speeding up or slowing down, always having our eyes open to God and responding to him. And so what does that look like? That requires us to ask Jesus to be our teacher and our companion in every moment of life. Uh, whenever we do that, they will, that will help us become increasingly aware of what he's doing in our life. Uh, and then whenever we're, we're, we're more aware, we're more focused. We're less distracted. So as we go throughout life, uh, again, we're going to have busy lives at times. There's going to be seasons where things are busy. We have a lot of events. We have kids who are part of different things. Uh, we need to learn to li- how to sit at Jesus' feet in the midst of busyness. Now, there are going to be times where, again, Jesus says to slow down but also in those times of busyness that we can still be sitting at his feet. Uh, so uh, where was I? I became distracted. I'm just kidding. Uh, bad joke. Uh, so sitting at, sitting at Jesus' feet. We can be sitting at Jesus' feet when we're in prayer. We can be sitting at Jesus' feet whenever we're at a ball game. We can be sitting at Jesus' feet uh, whenever we're on a job site or ki- fi- fixing our kid's meal. It's a posture of the heart. It's us Again, being aware of God and asking him to be our companion in that moment. He wants so bad to be with us through every phase of life. And so, uh, so yeah, so whenever we're more aware of Jesus in our life, we become less distracted. Uh, so, so that's Mary. Let's, let's move on to verse 40. And let's, go, let's, let's look at Martha. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So we look, we look at Martha. She was working hard, apparently. She was, she was hustling. And Luke tells us right here what the primary thing that was tripping up Martha. It wasn't necessarily that she was overcommitted or that her schedule was too busy. It was that she was distracted. Uh, again, going back to that definition of shifting from something of greater importance to, to something of less importance. 
And I think it's easy, uh, I know a lot of us when we read that, it's probably easy to put ourselves in Martha's shoes. We've probably been to that point in life where we're, we're doing things that, we, that, you know, we're hustling, we're working hard, and there's maybe a buddy that's not doing anything or not carrying their weight. Uh, so I think, I think we can identify with Martha at that time, and it almost seems like, yeah, she's got a legitimate argument. Um, so she was hustling, she was building up with frustration, then she finally breaks. And whenever she breaks, she not only shows her frustration towards Martha, but you can tell she was getting frustrated at Jesus, too. Um, and so, you know, she was probably thinking, surely Jesus, full of justice, would see that this is not fair, that this is not fair, that I'm doing all the work, and Mary's sitting there at your feet doing nothing. Um, but Jesus, as he always does, he, he gets to the heart of the issue. He gets to the heart of what was going on with Martha. Uh, and we see that in verses 41 and 42. But the Lord answered her, answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, portion, which will not be taken from her. So Jesus diagnoses the condition compassionately. He's saying, Martha, you're anxious, you're troubled. You've got so many things going on in your mind right now, so many things of less importance that you're, 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 not, you're, not, you're not seeing what you truly need, which is right in front of you, and that's what Mary was doing. Um, so he says, Martha, you, you know, again, you're distracted about less important things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen that good portion. Um, the good portion, that echoes a lot of uh, Old Testament passages, that the good portion is the greatest possession that one could ever have is close fellowship with the Lord. That's what the good portion is. That's the one thing that is necessary. Uh, that's the one thing that cannot be taken from you, and no matter what circumstance of life that you're going through, is close fellowship with the Lord. So no no matter what your circumstances are, there could be a lot of loss in life. There could be a lot of things taken away from you on a physical physical standpoint, but close fellowship can't be. No matter what what circumstances are going on, no matter how crazy or hectic life can be, that's one thing that cannot be taken. Um, So... Uh, now, obviously, right here, the teaching, the teaching point right here is, that, is not that Martha would spend the rest of her life physically sitting and contemplating while, Mar- while Mary's sitting there you know, while Martha does all the work. That's not, that's not the idea is that the automatic response to this is just to slow down and do, no- and do, do a lot less. That's not automatic. Now, that definitely is the case for a lot of us that, have, that are overcommitted, which I'll get to that in a little bit. But again, that's not the point here. The point is to be with Jesus no matter what was, what's going on, no matter what she was doing, or no matter how busy she was. It's about Martha walking through a life being aware of God's presence. Something, you know, uh, a word that we use quite a bit here at Living Hope Fellowship is abiding. Abide. That's what abiding is. Walking through life, whether it be busy or slow, being fully aware of God's presence and what's going on in our lives. Uh, in our lives. It's about him being our com- companion as we walk through things. Um, so we, we look at Martha. Uh, we can't beat up on Martha too bad. She wasn't doing bad things necessarily. Uh, she was a follower of Jesus. She invited Jesus to be in her, in her home. Um, she was showing hospitality. Uh, she was serving the Lord. And what a great friend Martha was to the Lord. And I, I think whenever we, we drill it down a little bit further, a lot of us can identify with Martha because a lot of us are living lives, lives of service in this room. Um, that's one, uh, it's one of the many things I'm proud of our church about is that we're not an 80-20 church. We're not, a, we're not a church where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. A lot of us in here are serving. We, we have chosen a life of service, and that's awesome. Um, we're a part of Breakfast on the Levees, community groups, MCXs, deacons, ministry teams, BCMs, raising kids, ministering to friends. A lot of us are living a life of service, and we're intentional about 
living out his kingdom here on earth and helping those in need. But again, going back to Martha, she was serving in a way that didn't involve Jesus, involve Jesus didn't involve that relational side um, to Jesus. So sometimes uh, ministry for Jesus can get in the way with our relationship with Jesus. Um, Taylor sent me a lot of good material whenever I let him know I was uh, teaching about distraction. That was one of the quotes that really stood out, that sometimes ministry for Jesus gets, gets in the way of our, our relationship with him. Uh, so there's this uh, brilliant philosopher and Christian rapper named Annie Minio. Anybody? No? Okay. Yeah, okay, I got a few people. Uh, he, it, it sounds like an oxymoron, Christy, Christian rapper, but he's actually pretty decent, all right? I promise. Uh, he's got this, uh, this, this line in one of his this lyric, that's what they call him nowadays, a lyric, in one of his songs, it says, I'm not going to rap it. Uh, I, I wanted to, I promise. But that would be distracting. I don't want to do that. Uh, Andy Minio says, uh, God, I'm sorry I mean it. All I want to do is walk with you, but my priorities are wrong. I talk about you more than I talk with you. And I think that perfectly illustrates, of, uh, illustrates a life that serving Serving the Lord without that enjoyment, without that relationship. Because whenever, whenever we do that, whenever we serve the Lord without that enjoyment and that relational side, whether it be on actual ministry or just out and about whenever we work or kids or school, uh, that leads to burnout. And that's something that I think a lot of us have experienced here in this room is just getting burnout. And I'm not saying that if, you burnt, if you've, you've gotten a burnout, that's the reason. I'm just saying that's one of the many reasons that can lead to burnout is serving Jesus, doing the things because we just should or because we feel guilty without that enjoyment and that companionship with Jesus alongside of you. Um, so, uh, so again, go back to Martha. She was distracted from the Lord's presence while right in front of her. And again, I think that perfectly describes a lot of us where we are at times um, and that we've got good intentions. We've invited Jesus into, into our homes, uh, but we're missing his presence. We're missing that day-to-day that day-to-day. Uh, just relationship with them. And it's not out of rejection, again, but it's just out of distraction. And one important thing to miss, uh, a lot of us are in different seasons of our life that it's only going to be for a season, that Jesus has intentionally placed you in whatever season of life you're in um, with a purpose. And what a, what a shame it would be to, to, to walk through that, se- through that season without the recognition of the Lord's presence. I mean, again, that's, that's why Dallas Willard, I think, says distraction can be the greatest enemy in our lives, in our spiritual lives, because it's so subtle. Um, it's, so, uh, it's just so subtle that we can blink, and, uh, and the season of life is gone. Um, you know, uh, speaking personally, you know, I've got three kids right now, um, job, uh, you know, uh, elder, uh, just a lot of things going on. So this could be, this, this season of life could possibly be one of the busiest seasons of my life. And man, what a, sh- what a shame, it, well, not a shame, that's a bad word. Um, just how disappointing would it be for me to walk through this season of life, distraction, missing God's presence while doing good things, while, while living a life of service, that's air quotes for the podcast, um, living a life of service, uh, but missing God's presence. Man, I don't want to do that. I mean, I don't know if this is an accurate statement, but, you know, I've got Daniel right there. Hey, Daniel. Hey, buddy. Sorry, I embarrassed you. Um, you know, spiritual development right now in my life may be at an all-time high. I don't know if that's accurate, um, but, you know, I've got kids that, you know, that Jesus is their ultimate king, and he's their ultimate provider. Um, but he's given me them to steward them well, and I don't want to miss that because of distraction, because of something so subtle of walking through life and missing that relational side of Jesus and enjoying Jesus. Um, 
So now the awesome thing, oh yes, I had a little analogy. Uh, you know, a lot of times we read a book, and I don't read as much as I used to. I used to love reading. Um, I need to get back to that. Uh, but I'd go through three or four pages and then realize I don't have a clue what I just read about. And the neat part about reading a book is you just flip back and go read it. Well, again, we can't do that with our time. And so that's why I plead with you, again, starting from a confessional standpoint, enjoy the Lord's presence in front of you. Be, be cognizant of that. And so the neat thing about this story is that there's evidence that, is that we get to learn from Martha. There's evidence that she got it right, that she continued to serve Jesus. Again, she didn't say, you know what, I need to stop. I need to stop doing what I'm doing and sit at the feet for the rest of my life. She continued to serve Jesus, but it was in a way that was attentive to the Lord, and we see that in John 12. Uh, again, one of the, the, the resources that Taylor sent me is that said, we need to be a marinated Martha. Nobody? A marinated Martha. All right, we're there. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Uh, so, again, it's, it's, it's cheesy as can be, but it's true in that how do you marinate something? You let it sit in it. You let it soak, whether spices or juices. Uh, you let it soak for a while. We need to become a marinated Martha and that we need to sit in the presence of the Lord, train ourselves to enjoy him in his presence, and also work hard like Martha did. So we, we see that she got, it, she got it right, that she became ready to recognize him, ready to learn from Jesus, ready to listen to his lead, and ready to act on what he's leading us to. Um, so what I want to do now before I, before I close out is transition into, I want to spend a little bit more time on the practical side of things, talking about disciplines that we can do that to train us to be less distracted and live a more focused, Jesus-centered life. Uh, it would be great if, if I preached this sermon, you know, and you said, you know what, Adam, you're right, I need to become less distracted, and then you corrected it from here on out. I wish life worked that way. More times, it just doesn't work that way. We, we have to put some action to our, to to something that we've been struggling with for a while. And I know some of us struggle with distraction more than others. Um, you know, Romans 8 talks about how our bodies are broken and that our bodies grown to, for our, our, our redemptive bodies. Um, so there's definitely some of us in this audience that struggle with distraction way more than others. And that could be, you know, because of ADHD, you know, things that, are, that have physically, just physical things that are going on with our body that, that cause it to be a struggle. So ADHD, short attention spans. Um, misophonia, yeah, very, very, so misophonia, I have it, uh, it's self-diagnosed, it's whenever you hear things like chewing ice from an older brother all the time, <laughs> uh, you just, you pick up on small sounds and it's hard for you to concentrate on anything else, so that's, that's a joke, but I think it's still true. Um, so again, there are people that struggle with this more than others, and I understand that, I, again, I feel like I'm one of them. Uh, so let's talk about some disciplines. We're going to go with disciplines of abstinence first. And the first one I'm going to lead off with is solitude and Sabbath. You're like, all right, here we go again. And we've talked about this probably 50 times over the past two years. Yeah, because it works. And the Lord designed it for us. Uh, you know, if you were training for a marathon, you wouldn't roll your eyes at a coach to say, you need to keep on running. You already told me that. Yeah, I know, you need to keep on running. Um, solitude and Sabbath. So solitude, uh, Josh preached about it two weeks ago in Mark whenever Jesus woke up early. And, and, and withdrew himself to spend time alone with the Lord. That's what, we, that's what solitude does, is that we withdraw ourselves. And, uh, and whenever we go into sol- to solitude, we gain freedom from the forces of society. That's a quote. I didn't come up with that. Whenever we go into so- to solitude, we gain freedom from the, sources, from the forces of society. And how important is that 
to, to work that discipline in our life whenever we're struggling with distraction. Again, if that's something that we're not intentional about, we're going to stay distracted. Uh, so solitude, uh, Sabbath, uh, fasting. Um, so this is something that's, I, I, I don't know, I'm a nerd at times whenever it comes to different things. Um, so I think it's really neat how Jesus wires us on the, on physically, on how our bodies work. And there's so much correlation between the physical and the spiritual. You know, Brady, uh, with the Journey for Hope, just did an awesome job a couple months ago whenever talking about how important it is um, to take care of our bodies from a spiritual standpoint. And, that's a, and so with fasting spiritually, the regular habit of fasting simply makes our everyday lives more open to God and more ready to do God's will. Um, so although there's nothing magical about fasting, there's actually physical things that happen whenever your body is in a fasted state from... A, you know, a lot of, they've done a lot of studies over the past five or ten years on how it, there's an increase of mental clarity because of how your brain operates and what kind of energy it uses. So I'm getting nerdy here. But I think that's awesome that, that Jesus, God designed our bodies to react different ways with different disciplines. And fasting is another one of those, that whenever we're in a fasted state, there's an increase in how our physiology is made up, that there's an increase in focus and mental clarity. How cool is that? Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe just me. Um, so fasting is a big thing. Um, decluttering our schedule. This one, do this prayerfully. Uh, you know, I don't want you to walk away with it. You know, Adam, you're right. I need to start going on a lot less community group. We've got church at night. That's tough. I get it. I'm not saying it's not. Uh, but a lot of us are overextended. And, it can, and a lot of it's, again, good things that we're a part of. Um, so whether it's kids' activities, different social activities, uh, work hours, uh, ministries that we're a part of, um, again, do this prayerfully, but some of us are overcommitted, and we need to do less. And that doesn't mean not work as hard, because a lot of times we do less. We might be working just as hard, but we're working hard on those things that we're able to operate in our giftings in. And so, again, that's something that I want. I think there's some things that we can say, all right, yeah, we probably definitely need to cut these out in our lives. So, um, you know, sitting down on the phone an hour or two of uh, Facebook, or sitting down after the kids are in bed and veg out for four or five hours, four nights of the week on Netflix. Again, I'm not beating up on Netflix. I think it could be a great thing. I love Netflix. But whenever it becomes habitual, and whenever we see that distraction is, distraction is a constant, um, constant thing in our, of our lives, we need to start looking at our, at our schedule as a whole and say, all right, what are some things that we can start decluttering? It might be from a service standpoint. It might be good things. And it might be things that you just know, all right, those need to, these need to stop. Um, so decluttering our schedule. Uh, here's another thing that, um, that if you've got the margin, um, to, to have the lawn cut, let's say there's a a kid in your neighborhood that's going around, knocking on the doors saying, Hey, I want to cut your grass. And you've got the financial margin to do so. Use that as one of the things to take off your plate to where it's providing for a, 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 you know, kid in your neighborhood to make some money. And then also, it's one less thing on your plate so that you can use that for a quiet time or use that to enjoy your family. Again, it, it'll, it, it's just that less clutter in the schedule. Um, so do that. Or do, maybe not, not do that. I don't know, whatever. Uh, all right. Um, put up the phone. Uh, so that's, this, this is one where I, I, I know that, again, we talk about this a good bit. But let's say, let's say the phone, uh, being distracted by your electronic device, um, is something that, that trips you up. I'm not saying to cut it out cold turkey where, all right, whenever you and your, your spouse are with each other, y'all need to put it up. But have a conversation about that. Just saying, all right, one night a week after the kids are home or if you're not married and you've got roommates that you, that you enjoy being with, uh, 
one night a week, what we're going to do is whenever things, whenever we're winding down, let's put the phone up one night a week and just use that to play a game together, uh, use that for a little quiet time together. Get creative with it. Find what works for you. But just start out, start with something. And again, it doesn't have to be, all right, phones are bad, put them up. I'm not saying that. But, but if, if the phone can be a source of distraction, start working towards that discipline and find something that starts one night a week and then build from there. Um, so that. All right, so other disciplines, these aren't necessarily the ones, not necessarily disciplines of engagement, but just ones that aren't necessarily disciplines of abstinence. Uh, going back to the kids route. Again, I know I'm talking about that a lot because it's the state I'm in. Um, so whenever kids have a busy schedule, so, uh, you know, sometimes our kids can be overcommitted, they can be a part of too many things, and sometimes it's just, you know, I, I'm a big fan of having your kids involved in different things, you know, Daniel's involved with t-ball during t-ball season and soccer during soccer season, so if that's something that, that you're a part of, um, practice gratitude in the midst of those things, so if you're at a kid's event, practice gratitude while you're there, take a few minutes to, while you're out there, just have some time with the Lord, thanking 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 the Lord for how awesome your kids are, thanking Jesus for, for the abilities that you've given them. Just thank him for anything. Practice gratitude if you do have a busy schedule. That can slow things down and refocus you so quick. Um, if, you're, if you're in school and you're studying and, you, and it's during finals week and you're at a coffee shop, put a little three-minute reminder. Say, all right, I'm going to take out three minutes to thank Jesus about just different things in my life right now. Practice gratitude. Uh, schedule it. That can refocus us so quickly and, and, be, and have us less scattered and, and less distracted. Um, uh, also, to go along the lines with, uh, let's say, again, going back to the kids, if they are involved in things, I, I, while you're at, the, at their event, find ways to make teaching points with them. Character building, uh, ways, to, ways to talk about Jesus in, the, in whatever event that they're a part of. So Dan's a part of T-Ball and... He did some cool teamwork stuff, just like, Daniel, you know, that was awesome. You were a part of the team. Um, Jesus had a team, too. He had 12 disciples. And how awesome is that, that Jesus allows us to be in relationships with people around us so that we can do something awesome? Just, just find ways to make teaching points whenever you're out and about with, with your kids at their events. Again, more focused. Uh, adjust diet and exercise. If you know that too much caffeine, too much sugar, too much whatever will just make you go crazy, Put up the triple shot orange mocha frappuccino. Nice. Uh, Zoolander. Um, but there's just different things that a poor diet or a lack of exercise can do from a, from a, from a focus standpoint. If that's something that, that you start to recognize certain foods have an effect on me, start cutting those out. Uh, and then the lastly on the disciplines, um, John Ortberg, uh, again, one, just great author, a lot of, has a lot of great material out there. He calls it the disciplines of slowing. I think Josh preached on I mean, it, I don't know if he's talked about it recently, but I just remember about six or seven years ago, he talked about a few disciplines of slowing that I still remember. Um, but disciplines of slowing, training yourselves to slow down. So driving in the slow lane. Whew. Yeah. Uh, this is me not being hypocritical. I don't do this, and I'm bad at it. Although I'm not the fastest driver in the world, Lucy makes fun of me. Um, but driving in the slow lane, getting, getting behind an 18-wheeler. Just slowing down. A lot of times we're in a hurry just for the purpose of being in a hurry. There's really nothing to get to that quickly. Uh, so getting in a slow lane. Eating food slower. Chew 10 to 15 times before you swallow a bite. I mean, there's different things that we can train ourselves. <laughs> I saw some of y'all's eyebrows go up. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Stand in a long line at checkout. Again, meet, resi- meet, meet distraction with resistance. 
schedule time for you and the Lord. So let's say, it, you know, whenever you schedule time for you and the Lord, it's 10 minutes in the morning. See if you can stretch it to 15, then 20. Just stretch yourself. Um, so there's a lot. I know I just rattled off a lot of different things. Again, whenever it comes to for us sitting at the feet of Jesus and focusing on him, because we've become so con- conditioned to, to distraction nowadays, we need to train ourselves to get out of it. We've been, we've been trained for years to be distracted. We've got to train ourselves out of that. So if you're someone that struggles with distraction, there's good news, and that the Lord is completely gracious. He's not beating up on us, and he uses our distraction to bring glory to him. How does he do that? Probably a number of ways, but here's two ways. First is it humbles us, and it forces us to ask God for help. You know, if we walk away from here and we say, you know what, that was a mediocre sermon at best. Uh, I'm going to continue my life. Uh, we're going to need his help to do this. We're going to need his help. It's gonna, he's going to use this to build our, build our faith. Uh, God isn't nearly as interested in our efficiency as he is our faith. And so those times we're sometimes slowing. It, it's countercultural. It doesn't make sense to slow down and to do less. But sometimes our efficiency doesn't matter that much. Again, I'm all for efficiency in the right circumstances, not as a rule to live by. So it humbles us. And second, it strengthens our self-control. Christian self-control is cultivated through the work of the Spirit and through intentional hard work. Self-control is strengthened like a muscle. Again, the only way to strengthen a muscle is to meet it with resistance, to give that muscle resistance, tear it down, recruit new muscles, that's the same thing with self-control. Is we gotta meet it, we've got to meet it with, with resistance. And that's what those disciplines do, is that we must train. We, you know, uh, one of the books, The Good and Beautiful God, that we read um, a few years ago, and I know the college group continues to go through that, is it's trying versus training. We can leave here and try to not be distracted, but that's only going to work a number of times. You know, If you're not trained up, you can try to be as good as Peyton Manning, but it's just not going to happen. You've got to train to get there. And, of course, that's a... It, Extreme example that I think he used because um, he's gifted. Um, but you see what I'm saying is that we got to try to get to this. We have we got to train instead of try. So we got to meet it with resistance. Uh, and so there's no getting around hard work. So figure out work, what works best for you, and the Spirit will empower you to do those works. The Spirit will empower it. The Lord wants for us to sit at His feet and enjoy Him, for Him to be our companion. Again, because there's only one. Again, only one thing is necessary. And that's fellowship with the Lord. And so as we walk through a busy life, there's going to be times where he tells you, slow down, declutter. And there's going to be a season where life is just busy. And that's okay. Let's not miss the, let's not miss the Lord in those busy seasons. Uh, a quote that I want to end with um, is, is uh, I thought it was pretty good. It's the abundance of God in our lives, families, and ministries is not passively received or happens by chance, but is claimed and put into action by our pursuit of it. So let's pursue the Lord in, in this life that can be busy sometimes. Let's be relational with him. Let's enjoy his presence like Mary did. And that, and that we see in, in later scripture that Martha did as well, that she got it right. Um, so we're going to close out like we usually do. What we're going to do uh, is Chase, Chase is going to come up and give the Lord's Supper. It's going to be the kind where you tear a piece of bread and dip it in the, dip it in the juice. Um, so I, I do want to welcome everybody. Uh, again, you don't have to be a church member. Um, but if you're in a relationship with Jesus, we encourage you. Chase will be right here. And also what I want to do is if, you know, if you're part of our church, you don't know how we do things. We don't, we don't pass the offering tray typically or hardly ever, ever. Um, 
But what we do is we have a, a, a prayer station and a giving station. And that's a, a, a form of worship that we, that we have been talking more and more about at our church is worship through giving and worship through the prayer cards over here. Just like, uh, just like uh, what was I going to say? Distracted. Uh, but just like practicing a lot of those disciplines that I talked about, uh, the, uh, the, the practice of Sabbath and solitude, can withdraw us from those forces of society that can distract us. It's the same thing with giving, guys. This isn't about our balance sheet and how much money we have, but it's a form of stewardship that I think we can all agree that money has a certain pull on us, a certain a level of control that if we let it. And so giving money releases us, it helps release us of the orbit of you know, materialism, our security that a lot of times can be tied in with money. And so it's a form of worship. So we encourage that. That's up here. Um, and respond to the Lord um, however, however he leads you to. Um, so the band can go ahead and come on up. I'm going to close this out in prayer. And, uh, yeah, just be responsible with this time. Uh, Father, we, we love you, and we thank you so much for your, your goodness, that you're merciful, that you're full of grace, Father. Um, man, life can, be, life can be hectic, Father, and you know that. You lived here on this earth, Father. We, we just pray that... that if we're one of those that have become conditioned to a distracted life, um, even if we're filling it with good things, Father, good things that are serving you, serving others, if we're missing your presence in the relationship that you called us to, Father, if we're not sitting at your feet during those things, Father, I pray you, you give us the desire, you give us the strength to put a lot of these disciplines into action. Because, um, man, uh, this life here, it can be tough, and it's precious at the same time, Father. We don't want to waste it. We don't want to waste it going through life uh, distracted away from, from you, Father, because you are, the relationship with you is the only necessary thing that cannot be taken from us, Father. So um, I pray that there are those that are struggling with being distracted, Father, that you would just encourage them, that you would remind them that, that you are always there, Father and that you are going to be their companion through this, that you're going to be our companion through this. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that we don't have to do this alone. We thank you that you are here with us. And uh, we love you, Father. We pray things in your name. Amen.